Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 20. We're at 20. Congratulations to us. Woohoo. And uh, we've gotten way worse with technology because now we are online. <laughs> but we are here today. We got a lot to talk about. We got some trades. We missed it last week because, of course, the second we put out our last podcast, Damian Lillard gets traded. And not to the Toronto Raptors, but to the Milwaukee Bucks. But, of course, I'm Jake Schultz. Forgot that whole part. I'm part of <laughs> I am your host, as always, and joined me virtually on down on the screen i guess zolfi shake what's up what's up and to the right spencer claus what's up everyone and no daniel ramos today because he is a busy boy with his busy job working away it's just better than all of us having money getting paid uh but yeah let's get into this why don't we uh we got to talk about this trade so as announced by not shams who did say the raptors first of all he said that the Raptors were getting Damian Lillard, so we have to mention that because, good God, he gave me a heart attack immediately as soon as that happened. But no, he is going to the Milwaukee Bucks. So Bucks received Damian Lillard. Trailblazers received DeAndre Ayton. Oh, yeah, this, this is a three-team trade. DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Tomorrow Camera? Did I say that right? <laughs> he just sped through the whole thing. <laughs> Drew Holiday from the Bucks and a first-round pick, 2029, with two first-round pick swaps as well, which are 2028 and 2030. Who needs pick swaps? And then the Suns get a whole lot better with Grayson Allen, Eon Johnson, Nasir Little, and Yusuf Nurkic finally leaving the Blazers. Zolfi, I'm going to start with you. What is your initial reaction from this trade? Weirdly, when I saw it, the first thing I thought was like, this is a win-win-win. I don't know. I just feel like everyone got a bit of what they wanted out of this situation. Like with Milwaukee, the big thing was you heard Giannis complaining. You heard Giannis making these statements about, like, we need to be competitive. We need to have people around to make this team serious. And they're a really old team. Obviously, adding Dame doesn't make them younger, but they have a short window. And they're trying to capitalize on that in a pick-and-roll duo that I believe is going to be insanely deadly to watch with a guy who can shoot with the level of Damian Lillard and a person like Giannis who's obviously athletic and can attack. And I think people have even mentioned Giannis is probably the most athletic big man that uh, Dame has played with in his entire career. And he's obviously the best player Damian Lillard has played with in his entire career. And then Northern wanted assets. They got as many assets. They got a Drew Holiday out of it, which in a bit they flipped. And now they have a Malcolm Brogdon who came back. But they're probably going to flip as well. So it's just a continuous cycle of assets they're trying to collect. And I think they're doing a good job of it. They got some younger pieces that are also a little exciting that can contribute because don't forget, a Jeremy Grant is still on this team. He's probably not going to want to tank, and they just signed him. So you have a couple guys who can also pseudo-compete in a Robert Williams, or a DeAndre Aiden coming back. And then for the Suns who were involved in the craziness of all this, they added so much depth to their roster throughout these trades, adding guys like Yusuf Nurkic, having a Grayson Allen come into the mix with all of it. I think they're just going to be so much more loaded than we all thought, and I think the Suns came out of this as a weird, really like sleeper winner in all of it, and I think they're just going to be very competitive because of it. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with Zolfi. It seems like every team kind of got what they wanted. Um, the Bucks almost fill every hole, especially on offense with Damian Lillard. Well, maybe not on defense, but that offensive side of the ball, they have an, like a technical playmaker now to kind of compliment Giannis, so that's obviously a win for them. Um, Portland got assets. Um, like Zolfi said, they already flipped Drew Holiday, and they're probably going to flip Brogdon as well. And then the Suns kind of traded Aiton for a a, a, a guy who's going to play the Aiton role and be happy to do it, plus three bench pieces, which is exactly what they needed. So 
it's kind of a weird trade because it seems like every team won, and that almost rarely happens in NBA history. Do we think Jermaine Grant is he can even stay on that team, or are they going to try to flip him also? Based on having just signed him, I don't know all the like pre, uh, rules, so they probably have to wait closer to the trade deadline, even if they wanted to trade him. But it just depends on like because if they're trading Jeremy Grant, they may as well try to flip Robert Williams. Like yes, he's a bit younger, but I don't think he would fit the top. DeAndre Ayton on a center, they're sitting around him, see what they can become. Sure, but I feel like some of the other tertiary pieces they probably want to flip too. It's weird because they signed him, they paid him really well. Who knows how much trade value he even has with that contract? But it's it's an interesting one because clearly they were kind of hoping to have Dame either stay or get something back to maybe stay competitive. I just the the Jeremy Grant signing just altogether is head scratching. I just don't understand why they did it, especially if this is kind of where they knew they were headed. So to answer your question, probably, but who really knows with this team right now? Honestly, the Bucks. It's interesting that it was even to the Bucks because the Bucks weren't really rumored anywhere at all. And when Woj came out and said Bucks, I was like, oh. That's basically Toronto, but a worse city with worse weather, but a superstar. And that's yeah. what I think is the one avenue that the Raptors ultimately didn't really have anyone that would have matched Dame wanting to come and play anyways. Because with the reports coming out, the Raptors tried hard. Bobby Webster also said that like they gave like the best package they've ever offered for a star player. And they just didn't end up doing that trade. And who knows the re- full repercussions of everything. But now the Raptors are sitting here without Damian Lillard, now entering their season with some weird, selfish talk from Masai Ujiri with Pascal Siakam with their whole media day. And again, the Raptors are just kind of in the same position <laughs> they were in last year. But it's so weird because I see this like one contingency, which is like the Raptors media, they're on media day being like, Okay, this is getting blown out of proportion. People need to chill out. Like, the, the word selfish has been thrown around so much. But then there's, like, Raptors Twitter, let's call it, which is, like, your common fans and stuff who are just going crazy. And I'm like, I, I kind of just don't see where all of it is coming from. It's like they heard one word and they've kind of, like, th- gone with this narrative and kind of just riding and adding uh, fuel to the fire. And it's like, selfish, 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 selfish. Pascal doesn't look happy. He's not smiling. He's not this. But then everyone in the media who was there is basically like nah it was fine like yes the vibes were a little off and no one's saying it's perfect but i just think it needs to be addressed that it it's not one or the other it can be in between like i think maybe the vibes are yeah. off but i don't think the selfish train is taking over this team and it's going to be a depression of a season i think there is optimism and i think if you saw pascal in vancouver he looked pretty happy he's having fun with this town where they are training camp so i think people need to slow their roll a little bit on it like you said it's just a little weird yeah, the the media day didn't, I didn't like that whole day. I was kind of pretty optimistic coming into it. And then when I kind of woke up and then all those things started coming out, the more the day went on, I felt worse and worse about this Raptors team. Um, it seems like they're not, they haven't found a direction yet. And I don't know what else to really add other than what Zolfi said. And it's just, it's disappointing as a Raptors fan. Um, because the last thing you want to see is like, a team full of guys that don't want to play together or be there. Yeah. And like, I don't even care if they win or lose. Like at the end of the day, like I just want to watch a team that's like having fun out there because then you have fun watching them. So I, I would just really wish they would like pick a direction and just stick to it. But I think we've talked about it so many times now. I don't know when it's happening and I don't think any of us do. Yeah. We're honestly probably just going to find out the second that the ball drops in their opener against Minnesota. That's when we'll find out what this team actually looks like in Darko's vision, which is fine. It's fair enough, but just you would 
they were looking for a way out with this Dame trade. We all know that. And yeah. that was their one avenue to be able to fully be like, hey, guys, look, we have a plan. And now they're back in this weird purgatory mode with possibly Siakam not being there next year. And it's just it's a weird thing. It's a weird feeling. And it's weird how like the sky feels like it's falling once again when everyone was so excited about possibly getting a superstar coming here now. But he's going with um, with Giannis, and it looks like Giannis is going to be staying with that team as well. Do we think that this immediately makes the Bucks the best team in the East? We know I know the Celtics covered that that side as well with a little bit of a trade, and we'll get to that. We've already hinted it's Drew Holiday, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But what do we think about the Bucks? Do we think that they have a legitimate shot now at repeating as champion? I I personally do. I think they're the favorite just because their pieces fit together so well. Like, you have extra pieces around these shooters, like a Pat Connaughton there, and then you still have uh, Brooke Lopez just taking care of the middle inside and the interior. And then, again, the pick and roll of Giannis and Damian Lillard on paper just sounds completely broken. Like, you just can't stop it. You have Giannis who can just cut to the basket so hard. Like, Dame can maybe throw him lobs or just get it in. And if you start, like, playing a drop coverage and sagging back, well, Damian Lillard's just going to shoot it from, like, 30, 40 feet. It doesn't matter. Like he he can make those shots, and he he said it himself in an interview. There was like, "What are you gonna do? Are you gonna go guard Giannis cutting to the basket and stop him from dunking every time, or you're gonna let me shoot nine threes a game?" Like it, it, it's a there's no winning. This pick and roll just I think is such a scary proposition, and I think it's gonna work really well for them until I don't even know how defenses can stop it. And the pieces around them just fit together a team. And I haven't even talked about Chris Middleton, who like you yeah. basically give this guy next to no serious pressure and responsibility, and ask him to just go out there and get buckets, and that's the perfect thing for Chris. Middleton like we we need to remember this guy can 20 points a game if he stays healthy in his sleep he's a really good player he just has to have done too much with the uh, previous Milwaukee teams to like showcase what he's actually good at which is just scoring the ball and now you put him in an offense where he can do that even if he turns into a bit of a spot-up shooter that's even better for him I think they're just set up better than the Celtics who have a lot of talent but they gave a bit of their depth away their vocal leader has gone down Marcus Smart obviously with their Kristaps Porzingis trade and everything that happened there and I think it's just one of those things where the Celtics on it's the name value of it is really high, but I don't know if I have as much faith in just like the pieces coming together yet. Yeah, I think it's it's really hard to not say again that like the Bucks are I'm super excited to watch this team and it's kind of weird to say, but like their offense is gonna be so good. And like I'm even looking at like maybe Damian Laird even like he could be a sneaky MVP pick now because if he averages the same numbers that he has been averaging, he, his points might drop a bit. Let's say he averages like 29 points on crazy efficiency on a 60-win team. Like voters might just feel like fatigued on always, you know, giving it to big men, and he might be a sneaky MVP pick even. So I'm actually super excited as a basketball fan to watch this team, and I think it's definitely like a two-horse race now. I, I'm interested to see how this works with Agent Griffin because we've seen Griff as a coach when he comes in for interim games for the Raptors. Um, and yeah, we all thought that he was going to be having a good time with just Giannis and Middleton, but to add Dame in there makes like what Zolfi, like what you're saying, it makes his job so much easier because Middleton has become overrated because of the position that he's been placed into having to be that number two guy, because I don't necessarily think he is strong enough to be that number two guy. He's aging, he's getting older, they needed to reduce his role, and this is a perfect win-win for everyone on that team because it lessens the role of a lot of those other players and allows them just to be that much better. Zolfi's mic is just not talking, so <laughs> we, yeah, we're having... Yeah, there's some technical issues on this thing. Look at, listen, we're not in the studio, okay? Listen, Zolfi's mic is also skipping every once in a while. It's fine, okay? It's fine. We'll be fine. Spencer, 
I let's let's move to the the trade that involved Drew Holiday until we can get Zolfi in here as he's mouthing <laughs> over and over again. Let's move to the Drew Holiday trade because that was the immediate reaction from the Celtics who felt like they needed to do something, and boy did they do something! They acquired Drew Holiday from the Blazers immediately with sending Malcolm Brogdon and Time Lord Robert Williams to the Blazers as well as the first round pick from the Warriors for next year and the 2029 unprotected first round pick. So where do you think that this does for the Celtics in terms of their spacing? Uh, yeah, first I just want to say we're going to have to probably do this audio podcast in American Sign Language soon. <laughs> probably. He's coming back. But um, no. I mean, I think it's a great trade. Drew Holiday is obviously a, a great piece to have. He's kind of going to, I don't know, he's not as, I don't know. He's a great defender. I wouldn't say he's as good a defender as Marcus Smart, but he's a better offensive player. So they're kind of, I guess they're kind of just trying to fill that role. Um, I guess my only concern is that if Kristaps does get injured, this team becomes very small and they, they don't have a lot of inside presence because then I'm trying to think of what their lineup would look like. Like with Kristaps, you'd have to think it's um, Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Tatum at the four, and then Kristaps at the five. I'm assuming that'd be their starting lineup, and I, I'm just yeah. thinking if like one of those players goes down, now it's like who steps in? Like even if it's not Kristaps, even if it's you know Jalen Brown or Drew Holiday or Derek White, like I just can't really think off the top of my head of like any players they have depth wise now, and it's kind of concerning because someone like Kristaps is very injury prone, and if he does go down, they could they could lack in the uh, big men department or just the size department in general. They were considered like the deepest team in the league going into the offseason, and now they've unloaded a lot of that depth. But it's interesting because they are going to look different. They're not, this isn't going to be the same type of Celtics team, but they are going to be way more offensively high powered, I would say. And also, I want to go back. You think that Drew Holiday is a worse defender than Marcus Smart? I, maybe not. Maybe not. I just, I guess it's because Marcus Smart is more known for his defense than Drew Holiday that that's why I was like, I'm very hesitant. I was very hesitant to say that. Like, I would, uh, personally, I would almost have them like, I don't know. They're both top tier to me. So it's kind of hard for me to even rank them. Like, but they're both very, very good defenders. And I think, I don't know. It's either way, like, they're, they're going to have a strong, um, I think both their, their guards are good defenders like Derek White is even sneaky good at just kind of everything he does so if they can stay healthy that starting five is going to be so good but yeah. it's just a depth that I'm not sure about hey Peyton Pritchard gets his time to shine now he's gonna finally on there 20 when it's a game he's gonna get exactly what he wants and Zolfi's favorite Delano Banton maybe he's gonna get a chance to shine Ooh. yeah we got Zolfi back we no more technical yeah. issues hopefully uh Zolfi what are your thoughts on this trade I think uh, similar to what Spencer was saying, it does obviously add value to this team, but there are some questions. True Audit is going to be an amazing addition around this team. He's a good playmaker. He offers more offensively, in my mind, than you got from Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was a really good shooter, but I wouldn't really say he's a great shot creator of his own. And not that no. Drew Holiday is elite with it, but I'd say he's better. And he has a bit more versatility on that side. And similar to Spencer, I'd probably say they're pretty neck and neck when it comes defensively. Maybe give Marcus Smart a bit of an edge just for like DPOI. He won the award. Sure, I've already talked about what I think. If that was more of a team award than anything. But still, obviously both very elite defenders. It just comes down to the health of this team and... This starting lineup is basically it. 
their depth beyond that isn't that fantastic, and they're building themselves just to have a six to eight man rotation in the playoffs. So that is what they're banking on. They just have to make it there first with full health. Like Spencer said, Chris Alves last season did pretty well health-wise in comparison to his career, but he's still a big question mark in that regard. How does he fit on this team? Where is he going to play? Where is, is Jason Tatum going to go down to the three, Al Horford at the four, and Chris Ups at the five? Or are you going to switch things around? Jason Tatum has, for the most part in the recent years, been playing a bit of a four more than a, a three. But obviously yeah. he's a wing player, so it mixes and matches. So who really knows this roster? And like I'm pretty sure everyone has seen a discourse online, a lot of pressure is on Al Horford, like a lot, to be good defensively and to be an anchor on this team. And there's been uh, people putting on numbers out there that he's actually a really good defender, especially in the interior, and he's done a good job. But he's not getting any younger. And if he gets injured, then what? You lost your defensive anchor inside. You're then asking Drew Holiday to do a lot defensively. Yes, Jalen Brown is pretty decent, but he has his own problems he needs to deal with. He needs to be able to show that he can be a consistent playmaker on offense before we talk about him defensively. And we all saw the video of him going around dribbling a basketball. And yeah. I know it's, just, it's, it's funny more than anything, but like that's going to be a narrative surrounding the guy. And it's going to... Everyone's going to microanalyze what he does every time he drives left. Are you going to see a game where everyone's forcing him right because the scouting report said so? And then that's going to be a topic of conversation. So the Celtics just have so many more, like, talking points around them than a Bucks do who can just go out there and just try to win and be good. That I think there's just more questions than answers with this team. But obviously adding a guy like Drew Holiday does make sense, especially Malcolm Brogdon. You didn't know what his situation was going to be. He had that shoulder or elbow injury in the playoffs. I don't remember that there was major concerns around, so... Getting a healthy guy in who clearly wants to be there, I think, is important. So it was it was a good thing overall, but I don't think it's as crystal of a win as the Milwaukee Bucks deal was. Can we go back to the Jalen Brown video for a second? Because why the hell did the Boston social media team post that? I don't know. It's a, it's one of those things where like social media is taking it too far, and obviously they will because he's on the sideline training camp trying to dribble a basketball very hard. You can see that. But also, if you're the social media team, your job is to be aware of the, the narratives and the memes and stuff, and you just should have to know that's not a good idea. Does anyone think that there's any chance that that was like a, a boxing sparring thing where like it was totally set up? Or like, that was, I, I don't know so. what he was, it looked so like, I don't know what he was doing. Like, even if he was trying to like practice dribbling, like he just looked like, he looked like he was trying too hard almost. Like it was, it was, it was weird. My favorite thing to come out of this is all of the memes now of people that are inverting his plays when he's going up with his right hand <laughs> on the court. And there's like, look, he can do it perfectly fine. And then you can just see the courts inverted. All the scores are inverted. It's so funny. I I don't know, man. I, I would not have posted that at all. Because, yeah, he is dribbling it hard. But it is his left hand. And it's so off balance over oh, and over again. I'm like, cut, guys, just you don't need to post this. You just don't need to do that. Don't do it to him. <laughs> yeah, they just you just... The second you watch it, even if you don't have any context on what the video is going to be, if you just know basketball and basketball Twitter, you knew what was going to be said about that video. So if we oh, all yeah. know it, watching it with zero context, there's no way the Celtic social media doesn't know it. So come on, what are you doing? All right. If we were to put these two teams in a, well, assumingly that they're both going to be making there to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, I want to get to the Heat after, so let's put a bow on the two of them with putting them together in that Eastern Conference Finals. Say both teams make it there to the Eastern Conference Finals. How many games is it going, and who do you have winning that series? Zolfi, we'll start with you. Yeah, it's a tough one right now because, for me, it does really rely on seeing how the Celtics will look on the court with the pieces that they have. But if I have to go right now, 
I am going with the Milwaukee Bucks in six games. I want to say seven, but again, I just need to see what the Celtics team can do as a unit. The Milwaukee Bucks, you know they're going to have a game plan between Giannis and Damian Lillard. Again, that pick and roll is going to be a thing. They have shooters around them. Brooke Lopez is going to do the dirty work inside. Everyone kind of has a role of what they need to do. As the Celtics, you don't have that identity and role yet, so I just have more faith in that unit of the Milwaukee Bucks to take care of business in a playoff scenario right now. Yeah, I just want to apologize. I forgot Al Horford earlier, and that was a. I'm a big Al Horford fan, so I have to apologize to him. Um, forgot the but, sexiest uh, man alive. Yeah, that was my fault. That's my <laughs> fault. Um, yeah, I'm assuming the Celtics are going to be huge candidates in the buyout market um, in the in February, March. So That's a good show. But I, I, I also have to from like just right now. I, I would have to give it to the Bucks. I think. I think just offensively and defensively they're going to be such an elite team this year and i think you can hide damian lillard on defense like so well if you need to uh, like with the rest of the pieces on that team and i i don't know i think that team's actually built very very well now and i i can't get past it i think they could be a powerhouse to be honest yeah the bucks have like what two of the top five players in the east like they have probably have the best point guard in the east and they be honest you can argue maybe is the best big some people will take Embiid. But I would say he's obviously one of the two best bigs in the East. So, like, two of the top five players in the East are on the same team. Yeah. I think that's hard to to match, especially because it's not the same situation as what Brooklyn had when they had those guys and some other iterations of these teams. So I think Milwaukee is just known for being much more of a organized franchise. And, these like, they have two of the most likable stars who are so talented, who clearly... Obviously, before Damon's trade request, Dame Lillard wasn't known to be a drama guy or anything like that. And I still don't think people think he is. They just knew he wanted out of Portland. So, like, you have two likable superstars, probably two of the top five guys in the East. Very little drama surrounding the situation. I just think it's hard to say that they're not the favorite right now in the East. Yeah, I echo the same sentiments. I think it's hard not to pick them. And I think, yeah, it could be a little lazy to just immediately pick the guys with the two best people. Because sometimes we've seen it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't. but. The thought of the two of them, that pick and roll, it just like it seems way too lethal to stop. I agree with Spencer. Dame's going to get hit on defense very well on that team. There's not really yeah. any chance for him to be exposed, which is good. And it's, I think it just takes pressure off Middleton. I, it's hard for them not to. I do think we have to see the Celtics because if Porzingis is who we think he is, who he has shown in this time with the Wizards, then we could be having a different conversation because they also could be looking just as unstoppable. And I think it'll be a yeah. very interesting Eastern Conference Finals to watch. But that brings us to the Miami Heat, who spent this entire offseason banking on Damian Lillard coming to this team. And now they don't have it. And they are, to say salty is an understatement when Jimmy Butler is putting out a video saying that they need to investigate for tampering. But now they're put in the position where they've lost two of their point guards this draft. They lost Max Struess and they lost Gabe Vincent. They did not get a replacement point guard. And Tyler Hero is coming back in here going, well, I have survived the 10,000th trade request with my name in, on there. And it just, for a team that made the finals and had so much expectation and hype this season and going, oh yeah, we're getting Damian Lillard. Suddenly now they're getting stare in the face thinking, what are we going to do this year? The thing that disappointed me most of the way Miami has come out of all of this is that they are acting like a team that went on a miracle run to the finals. 
They're not acting like a team that was supposed to be there, that were talented enough to be there. And yes, they were a play-in team that made a miracle run to the finals. But everyone basically reacted to that saying is that we're not totally surprised because Miami is a really good team, a really good franchise. They have a star player. But all they're acting like now is that everything is lost, the world is over. And you're right, they have a lot of problems going for them. But the whole thing about Heat culture was we're gritty, we're hard-nosed, we're confident in ourselves, and we know we're going to make things work how it goes. But everything you've gotten from this team and this fan base since has been the complete opposite they're just acting like the world is over and jimmy seems really sad about it you saw his media yeah. pictures coming in oh my god he said he, he said i'm feeling a little emo that was more of a joke than anything but it's just like i don't know the vibes are just so weird with this miami team right now i don't know what to think of it and then you hear like the these rumors that the heat front office weren't happy that jimmy was doing that that wasn't a very heat culture thing to do with him putting on those fake piercings in his hair and it's like all right, like, why is this team that we thought was so fun and so cool is just kind of starting to act like the opposite? Wait, so you're, you're just, serious? That's a thing? There's been, like, talk, like I don't know how serious the rumors are. I've just seen on Twitter, like, reports. Uh, and so, yeah, I take it with a grain of salt. But, like, apparently there were some people in the front office who weren't happy with that uh, uh, act, I guess, by Jimmy. But I think why? lost in all this, it was, I don't know, man. They're just losers, I guess. I, it's I just for it's fun. Just, yeah. It, it is just for fun, but apparently it rubs some heat culture people the wrong way, and I don't know what to make of that. I think the thing that you mentioned most that's going to be the biggest issue for them is the point guard situation. Kyle Lowry is apparently slated to start at point guard. He said in media day interviews that I'm expecting to be the starting point guard. I love Kyle Lowry. He can still give you value in the playoffs. He was a deep bench player for this Heat uh, team at times last year, and then in the no. playoffs he kind of needed to come through because of the injuries. You really, how much can you do with a uh, near 40-year-old Kyle Lowry in your starting point guard? And if you don't have much depth of point guard, playing how many minutes a game? Like, I just don't know if that's sustainable at all, especially with what he has left to give in the tank right now. So I think that is a huge problem for this team. And like you said, they banked on Damian Lillard, they missed, but they clearly also had zero backup plan. Side note, you mentioned that that's not a very heat culture thing to do. Well, maybe they should talk to Nike about heat culture, because if that's the jersey oh, that they're going God. with with City... It is the most disgusting city jersey I've seen this year. But no, I I don't know what they're going to do. Because Lowry, if he's expecting to be starting, he, he can't be there the entire season. We know this. He's not healthy enough to stay there the entire time. And I don't think that that team will be able to excel with a 30, was he 39-year-old Kyle Lowry? Almost 39-year-old Kyle Lowry? And Tyler Hero, like, where is his role in all of this team now? Because we know what he is. We know he's a good player. But what is he? What is he gonna do? Like, he, I don't know where he slots in on this team. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very high on this Heat team myself. I just think it's in today's NBA where it seems like the talent just is getting so much better, like all the time. It's hard when you're a team that you get worse in the off season. It's hard to like say that you can still get to compete. Like, it's the same reason I'm not very high on the Raptors. It's like they didn't get maybe necessarily worse, but they didn't get any better. And unless there's, like, a huge leap from, like, Bam Adebayo or, like, I guess Tyler Hero, I don't know how this Heat team can replicate what they did last year, personally. They're expecting Tyler Hero to make a big three, like, moment now. They're hoping that he can be, like, their Austin Reeves with the Lakers in terms of, like, identity resurgence and be that guy where Bam, Jimmy, and Tyler Hero can be a big three. Media day photo shoots is those three together taking pictures. So they're they're really just hoping and praying that Tyler Hero can come in hilariously the guy that you tried so hard to trade away now yeah. they're gonna have to bank on that guy completing a big three and hopefully making them a good team it's not happening like i'm sorry it's not going to happen 
This Heat team is going to be around the same amount of wins that they had last year. They're going to be a just above 500 team, I think. I don't. I just don't see it. They lack depth now. They've lost so many pieces of that team that made them good. How many times did they also get just unbelievable performances from those undrafted guys, and now they're not there? And to put them all on Hero now, put that all on Hero's shoulder, I think is unfair. I, I just don't see it happening. Sure, Hero could come in with this chip-on-the-shoulder moment and come in and just be an absolute baller. I just don't see it happening. I think another team also that I'm equally as confused with is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers who everyone is also has huge expectations for and the same thing James Harden now he's he didn't even show up at the media day he's going no I don't want to be there and then he shows up at training camp the day after reportedly supposed to be making a massive scene from Woj said he I don't I didn't see any scene that he was doing he just looked like he was playing basketball but I don't know where Harden goes from here like is Harden going to end up staying on that team I, I, don't, I don't know. Probably not. It just depends how the season goes. Again, it just it, we have all these conversations about narratives and complications and factors and stuff in any sport, let alone basketball, and everything always just comes down to winning. If they come out and they're winning basketball games, it's probably all going to start to go away. Uh, Tobias Harris mentioned how James Harden came in. He brought some energy, and they were doing good and just playing basketball, and that's really what it'll come down to. There's going to be some semantics behind it because obviously James Harden wants a deal and we'll see what goes on with it. But if they come out and start winning, I think a lot of it will solve itself. I, you're right, though. This team is confusing. He is the one big question mark surrounding it. Joel B clearly is ready. He wants to compete. This team is trying to stay competitive in this conference that is becoming an arms race between Milwaukee and uh, Boston. So it's going to come down to the James Harden factor because they didn't get any other pieces, really. Shout out Dan Wellhouse, who... Uh, ripped on doc rivers in his media day i was really happy to hear about that he basically said doc rivers is a one-two like uh iso put the ball in the hands guy and then nick nurse is a more share the ball kind of guy which is hilarious because daniel house you were just not watching raptors basketball last season yeah because sharing the rocks say, everyone was not nick nurse's style last year uh, not at apparently all they, yeah apparently they think it is so i'm just happy that doc rivers is getting some shots on the way out but yeah the sixers team is really just a big question on James Harden. The funniest, the funniest tweet I saw, and it was just, I'm almost positive it's fake. It has to be fake, but like, it was like, oh, James Harden comes to Sixers training camp and he tries to do the Jimmy Butler thing where he takes the bench players and challenges the starters. But James Harden lost 21 to 3 and then left the practice court immediately. <laughs> I feel like that could be such a real thing, and I really hoped it was. But there's uh, no yeah, chance just, that's real, but yeah. that's so funny. <laughs> I just part of me just wished it was it would have been great to see the memes come out of it and you could absolutely see that happening with James Harden but yeah it's just going to come down to him and what he's willing to offer this team and what this team wants to do with him I find it also pretty funny that house comment with Nick Nurse also saying he wants to play Joel Embiid 40 minutes a game like that is just bitter cruel irony right there it's not happening Hey man, they took him to Colorado for training camp. Joel and B, like Nick Nurse had to ask permission from the Denver Nuggets if they could do training camp in Colorado because apparently the high altitude in the environment is something he hopes is going to condition his players. And then basically that feeds oh into God. him. We're gonna we're gonna run Joel Embiid into the ground. Their training camp right now isn't into. They're literally in Colorado right now because they want to get conditioned for the season. Joel Embiid, good luck, buddy. You're gonna be running like forty plus minutes a night apparently. His knees are not holding up this season. There's no chance. Forget his cardio. Like, his knees are done. (laughs) 
and with the news too that he's going to be playing for Team USA next year yeah. with with the Olympics. That's how sick he is of losing that he's joining Team USA. So <laughs> Philly better figure it out. Yeah. Dude, weak move. Joel and B, go play for France, man. That's a weak move. Very weak. Yeah, uh, goodbye, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. He's off that team. <laughs> oh yeah, he's not coming back. Not a shot. You're gonna have Embiid and LeBron out there. Uh, is there any other things that we wanted to talk about from Media Day that we've saw? Anything else that caught oh, anyone's eyes? Yeah, the the whole Lakers Nuggets beef is so weirdly funny to me because uh, obviously going into the that series in the playoffs, they were two of the better teams in the. They're obviously in the Western Conference Finals. But then you had the little chirping going back and forth. And then obviously during the championship parade, the Nuggets made some mention to the Lakers or like implied some things, just chirping the Lakers and whatnot. And then you had this whole offseason of like teams or like people saying like, well, the Lakers played the Nuggets really close. The Lakers were in that series more than people thought. You got swept. So that I don't completely understand. And then yep. now like you have AD coming out being like, oh, yeah, we heard them. They talked about us all offseason. And then he like he's try- I guess he's trying to have like a godfather moment or something. He's like me and LeBron had conversations about this and we're excited to come play you guys. And it's just it's this weird fake beef because they both both sides are feeding into it kind of half heartedly, but not fully. Because even Mike Malone is like, oh, I've never said anything about the Nugget, I mean, about the Lakers. I've respected the Lakers organization for a while, and it's like, no, Mike, we know you've you've chirped the Lake, you've said stuff. We all know it. So like, just it's either you guys feed into this and have a real beef, or you just don't at all because this is really just half hearted at this point. I just found it really weird. I don't know. That's it. All seems very forced, like you said, and. I don't really get the beef either because it's not like there's like a rivalry there. Like it was, they had like one series against each other and Denver swept them. And I don't know. I mean, if you're the Lakers, like how can you even, how can, if you're AD, like just go out there and play better. Like you're, you don't really have much leverage. Your word doesn't really carry much weight when you got swept. So I don't know if the Lakers just need to show out. Yeah. Yeah. Win some games. That would kind of help. And like when AD said, like, oh, like, yeah, we get it. You guys won, but like, whatever. Like, no, dude, they won. They're allowed to talk. <laughs> they won a championship and they obliterated everything. When you guys won a championship, you were allowed to talk smack the most because you guys literally won the whole thing. And the Lakers were also pretty dominant that playoff run. And the Nuggets obliterated their entire conference on the way to championship. And they took care of business there too, pretty handily. So, like, hey, they're going to talk their talk. What do you expect? I. I just don't get it. I, is it like the Lakers won three years ago? Why? I don't understand what this beef is even like about. One series is causing these guys to be all up in flames with their ego. I don't understand. Like, you guys both won a championship. Why are you trying to start this weird fake beef? It's not a thing. It's not even the media trying to start it. It's the players. I, I don't really understand yeah. it. It's so passive and pissy. Like, why are you like? Why are these half-hearted comments at each other? Like, just either just say you don't like each other and you want to go at it, or just like don't. Like, it's the whole like, oh, we're 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 trying to talk smack, but we're not. It's like, why? Do we think the Nuggets are having um, a really bad off season? I feel like this team is like just no one cares and no one's really talking about them. It's weird. I don't know if that's just like a Canadian perspective, but I I just I don't see much talk on this Nuggets team at all. It's hard when the, your MVP and superstar looks like he hates playing basketball. <laughs> he yes, just doesn't want to show up for his. He doesn't want to show for his nine to five where he makes millions of dollars and he's just really good at it. Uh, no, I just think it's just one of those things where now that they've done it, they won a championship. You kind of just know what to expect. And for them, all they're going to be judged on now is the postseason. They've gotten to that point of success. 
but that's all that matters. So for them, it's like, let's go into the regular season, take care of business, let's stay healthy. There's not going to be much excitement. But you're also right that they lost pieces throughout the offseason. So they do have some questions about, like, can they recover from those? But obviously, you still have your core there, your nucleus of your uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. You have your main, like, secondary pieces in an Aaron Gordon, in a Michael Porter Jr., some of the other guys. So I think the the recipe is still there, but they're kind of just waiting for the playoffs to show it again. Do we think they'll like start cruising a bit in the regular season now, or do you think they're still going to be like a, a top of the West team? Uh, I don't know. I think they're going to be a top five, but it, it depends on how much these guys are going to want to sit out games as well. Talent-wise, I think they're just good enough to probably still be a top four team. I would say top three, to be honest. They're just not a team, other than Jamal Murray and maybe MPJ sometimes, they don't really have any major injury concerns. Jokic hasn't really been injured. And again, they have the Denver altitude. They have a great home court advantage. They are usually in pretty good shape, and they get a lot of home wins because of that, and that'll help their record, obviously. So I think just based on the the talent this team has and their advantages in those regards, they should probably still be a top three seed, unless, like Jake is saying, like they coast and sit games because of injuries or like, how they manage a Jamal Murray and whatnot. Like you saw, obviously, Jamal wasn't willing to play for Team Canada because he was recovering from the long offseason. And this is the longest, uh, uh, sorry, the long postseason. This is the longest postseason the Nuggets have had. Uh, and Jokic mentioned it jokingly, like we played two and a half months longer than we usually do. That's a really long time of additional basketball. So they'll probably start slow, to be quite honest. Yeah, usually there's like that championship hangover phase. Um, I'm just like always... I guess not always. I've been curious this offseason if, like, I feel like Jokic is the kind of guy to kind of be, like, immune to that, though. Like, I feel like he's just going to show up, like, day one and just be, like, healthy. as I don't know. He's just, he's such a weird player. Like, he's seven foot. He moves so slow and he moves so awkwardly, but he's just always healthy and he's just, I don't know. He does, doesn't seem like he cares, but then he, he plays like he cares all the time. It's just, I don't know. He's just such a question mark to me. I'm very, very curious how he's going to react. He's a physical freak who doesn't rely on athleticism, which you just don't see. Like usually guys who are that big and strong are also crazy athletic, and that's how they play basketball. He just does not. He looks like a dad in his driveway shooting hoops against his, like, seven-year-old kid, and he's just taking, like, weird hook shots and, like, dinking and dumping. Like, he's just, he, he doesn't need to be athletic to be good at basketball, and so he's able to just show up after two and a half months and just be like, yeah, I can still do this, whatever. Yeah, I got one last thing here before we wrap up things. I think there's not too too much left to talk about. It's Kawhi Leonard and the LA Clippers. At Media Day, Kawhi apparently did not know about the new NBA resting rule regulation where you cannot sit multiple stars out per game. And he had quite the response when brought up to that. He said, if the league is trying to mock what I did with the Raptors, it should stop because I was injured during that whole year. No league policy is helping me play more games. And he was pretty pretty adamant with that quote. And I'm pretty shocked to hearing Kawhi being that outward in public. But uh, what do we all think of this in general? I think it's just one of those things where you realize that even a guy who's as much of a recluse as uh, Kawhi Leonard, he still hears what people say. He still sees all the headlines and all the people complaining and this and that. And, like, I'm not his, like, psychologist or anything, but 
it must have got to him somewhat. He must have felt a little annoyed by it because, like you said, Jake, it was as adamant as you can see, Kawhi. It's hilarious because he was still so calm talking the entire time during that quote. But for him to be that expressive and to have that long of a quote means that it mattered to him to say that, like, hey, this is targeted towards me. People need to stop and understand the context that I have dealt with injuries. And to his fairness, he has dealt with injuries. He Coming to the Raptors, he was coming off a major injury. He only played nine games a season before. Coming with his like couple seasons with the Clippers, he had what two ACL injuries. He lost the season in a bit, maybe two years at this point. I don't even remember. So like he's coming off major injuries. So if he can prolong his career, which is probably the ultimate goal for most athletes, he's gonna do what he needs to do. He's gonna sit down. He's gonna load manage and do these things. Like, would you rather him try to play and not do well and then also lose his career out of it? And like some fans will probably say yes, which is I think messed up, but that's a different conversation. So like I think he's right that the context is important and it matters but these policies are also really important because fans pay a lot of money and they want to see superstars so i think both sides can be correct that hey if you think this is just because of me or you think i'm doing this because i want to just sit out and not play basketball you guys need to understand that that's not the case but then he also needs to like know and i'm sure he does that like fans pay a lot of money to watch you guys and having both the stars sit at the same time is just really not fair for fans especially when one of you guys or both of you guys could go so i just think it's like him being like hey you guys need to get a grip and realize where i'm coming from and i respect it i want players to be vocal i want them to express themselves we want players to be as real as possible and to get some emotion out of Kawhi, i think is a cool thing for us to see to be quite honest yeah no more fun guy it seems like the nba ruined that so make it a a less fun Kawhi now it might be more serious but uh, I, i'm i'm curious to see how his his season plays out injury wise I said, did the NBA ruin that, or did his countless injuries ruin that fun guy persona? I don't know, but now he's going to be way different. We're going to not see him having any fun anymore. Not like I think it's crazy how like we just got into the point with the Clippers, where it's like, eh, let's see what happens. Like no one wants to stake any claim or make any predictions on the Clippers because. You could easily see them being a 55-plus win team, or you could see them being a playing team. You just have no idea. It, it is literally all dependent on health. Like, that yep. is it. And you just can't predict health, especially with this team. So it's just crazy to me because when this trade happened and they got Kawhi Leonard and they built guys around it, you were like, oh, man, these guys are going to be a top team in the West for a while. And for a little bit they were before the injuries really took over this team. Uh, so it's just crazy to go from that within not even like five years to be like, eh, we'll see what happens with them. And hilariously, they also have Russell Westbrook on this team. You told somebody like six to 10 years ago, this team had Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. They would have thought this was a God squad. And now you could easily see this team just being a playing team. It's just the NBA is weird, man. It's crazy. I always forget that Russ is on this team. To be honest, I just completely forgot that he's resigned there. Yeah, he might actually contribute pretty well, to be honest. He's going to be a good role player on this team. That's for sure. Yeah, they have such a good roster. It's so weird that it's like it's just totally dependent on health. Like it's, it's kind of like I, I'm. I don't know if it's ever really happened before in NBA history where it's like they have a roster where they should be top four in the West every year, and they just never are. I don't think they have been since they played Dallas in the playoffs. Um, so it's it's been a weird few years for them, and I'm I'm curious to see how this season plays out. I got only one prediction for this team. Um, I don't think Harden is going to get traded there, but I do think that Malcolm Brogdon will be a part of that team. That is my bold prediction, it's, I think. It's hilarious because like, historically he's very reliable, but this past season he had a major injury and he had surgery for it, and people are worried about his health. So if Malcolm Brogdon joins the team, very on brand. 
And I, I agree with you that if he's on this team, he'd be stellar. But it's just like like Spencer said, it's all about staying healthy, man. Like this team is just it's so frustrating because it could be so good. <laughs> So good. And then they have Russell Westbrook, ironically, who is the, who's a freaking Iron Man of a basketball player who almost never gets hurt. And then everyone else on the roster just seems to get hurt. And if they didn't, they would probably be one of the best teams in the league, without a doubt. And it's just crappy, too, because people forget with injury that it's not like, hey, you get hurt, and then when you are able to get back on the court, you're 100%. We saw Kyle Leonard last year. He was relatively healthier than seasons past, but you could see the injuries were like still causing him issues. He needs to rehab for it, so... They linger and they play such a role on this team, and it's so exhausting to talk about. We just fans just want to see this team be healthy and play fun basketball. They will be a fun basketball team if they're healthy. They just can't, and it's just so sucky. Can't say it any better than that. I think that's a good place to stop. Good job, Zolfi. You look at you. Your mic held up that entire time since you rejoined. I'm proud of you. Oh man, I, I will say let's shout out Jake for the editing job he's gonna have to do on this one. My goodness, we're gonna have oh. to let this guy work overtime. The editing is going to be atrocious on this. And I'm sorry, if you guys have made it to the end, congratulations. Thank you for making it to the end. But we will be back again next week, and we will be in studio because it'll be a big episode. we got to wrap up our Dream Team draft because the preseason has already started in the NBA. So we got to get that done before the Raptors tip off their season as well. we got a special guest coming very, very shortly. So stay on the tune for that. And Dan will be back, of course. We'll get Dan in there. Can't have him missing multiple pods in a row unacceptable behavior (laughs) all right that's gonna wrap it up for here if you want to follow us you can find us on spotify and apple as well on twitter and instagram at dream underscore team pod on twitter x whatever or dream underscore team underscore pod on instagram and you can find me on twitter at jake underscore schultz six zolfi where can they find you you can find me at Zulfi underscore Shake, Z-U-L-F-I underscore S-H-E-I-K-H. That's Instagram and Twitter. We're not calling it X, at least not yet. If Elon pays us, maybe we'll do it. But until then, it's Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Kloss Talk Sports, C-L-O-S-S Talk Sport. And then on TikTok as well, I just made a fire Damian Lillard edit, so check it out. Hell yeah. Oh. Hell yes. That's going to wrap it up from us, guys. Thanks for listening. Catch you in the next one. Peace.